0: Hello, you are listening to Basically, and I am your host, Stephanie Preisner. I just have a note on this episode. Um, I'm recording this and I'm doing it in between drilling that is happening. Uh, in one of my neighbor's houses, I'm not sure which, but anyway, I'm sorry for the sound quality of the introduction, but we were in studio, socially distant, when I interviewed Lorcan Nyhan. I asked you guys what you wanted to hear on the podcast, and a lot of you came back with interview skills, stuff about career pivots, changing jobs, updating your CV, and I do not know a better person to advise on all of these topics than Lorcan Nyhan. In this episode, I pretend at some point to, uh, answer some interview questions and we make a Helen of Troy gag, which is a bit cerebral and, um, maybe some of you won't get it. It's also a badly executed metaphor because Helen of Troy was not in the Trojan horse, but, um, for those of you who care, um, there's a Greek mythology reference where I pretend to be Helen of Troy. Um, I hope you enjoy this episode. Please let me know if you do or if you don't and get in touch. In a, uh, I'm also looking for, um, I'm going to do another mailbag episode. So I'm looking for people to send me in their questions for me. So any questions you have for me that you want me to answer in an episode where I just focus on questions from you guys, get them to me on Instagram. I'm at Stephanie Pryzner and I will be putting up a question box soon for that mailbag episode. I hope you enjoy this week. Thank you for coming in Lorkhan. Um, No problem. <laughs> it's, so careers advice is something that I actually get kind of shook when I think about because I always think of the career guidance counsellor I had at school who told everyone in my class that they had to be primary school teachers. Um, but a lot of people listening today, they might be looking for work because of the pandemic, they've lost their jobs or they're looking at their job, trying to reframe it in a new way, working from home or whatever. You are an expert in careers advice. What have you got for us?
1: Just full stop all my advice all All your
0: advice. Start and proceed in an orderly fashion.
1: If we're talking about planning your career, if you had a bit more time to think about it at the moment, you're saying just what's the next step in my career? Where do I want to go? So if, if we start there on, on the planning of, of your career, the first thing you need to do is find a job. Any job, it it doesn't have to be the most realistic. Don't talk yourself out of it. Find a job. You'd say, you know what? I'd love that. I'd absolutely love to to be in that role. Now, in a few years' time, pick a specific point. Look at the skills that's on that job spec, or do you think you need for that job, and do an audit. And if you think, what's an audit look like? An audit looks like they need communication skills, they need organisational skills and they need X years of experience in some area. And you say, hang on, do I have that? Could I walk into an interview and say, absolutely, I have six examples of the type of communication skills you need for that job. So I want to be a podcast presenter. Let's say there's an interview for that. What skills do you need? You need to be able to interview somebody. Could you walk in and give me five or six examples of excellent interviews you have done? So when you're planning your career, pick the job, look at the skills, where are the gaps and start filling them.
0: Okay. And what if those things are like highly, highly... Like say you need like 16 years of speaking Chinese. Is it like at some point, is it like, look, that's actually never going to be achievable?
1: Well, if you need 16 years of speaking Chinese and you think that the person means that that's a disqualifying thing if you can't... That's what I'm saying. Like, Because
0: you know the way you often hear statistics like... Fifty percent of men will apply for jobs they're not actually qualified to do, and only two percent of women—like women—try to meet all the criteria. You know that whole—that's a bit of a trope.
1: Yeah, it's 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 a true trope. Um, from time to time, you know, you don't want to generalise across the board, but there are people who will look at a spec and they'll say there are two things there I can do and I can do them really well. Don't mind the other twelve; they don't matter. I can do those two so I'll walk in there very confidently, and those people get jobs. While there are people who look at a spec. My advice on that is if you think you can do the job and can do it well and can tell the proper story in the interview, well, then absolutely go for go for the job that you think you can do exceptionally well if you feel you have the essential skills they really need. No job spec is ever going to be we need these 12 things. And if you only have 11 of them, we don't want you because they probably won't find somebody who is all 12. When you're putting together a job spec, you're saying ideally if I was to create Frankenstein's monster esque of a perfect candidate, they would. What have. would we have? They would have all of these twelve. So we'll put them all down, and God, if we get somebody with six, we'll be delighted. So don't talk yourself out of it either. But if the criteria is we need somebody who's fluent in Chinese and you've no intention of learning Chinese, well then don't don't apply for the job. Okay,
0: so you you go to the job that you absolutely want. You do an audit. You see where the holes are in the skills that you already have, and you try to fill those. and Are you filling those by, like, by doing online course? Depending, I suppose, on what the skill is. on what
1: what the skill is. If they need somebody who's exceptionally good at Excel, if that's one of the requirements that they have, you're excellent to use in Excel, highly developed Excel skills, and you don't have them, you don't just throw up your hands and say, ah, well, I never got a chance in work to use Excel. You go away, you find online courses, you do five of them, and then you put on your CV, exceptionally good at Excel, because I've recently done and completed five advanced Excel courses. So, I mean, that's absolutely possible to do. If it's something like communication skills, if it's something like organizational skills, if it's something a bit softer and you do feel you're lacking, there are still ways to get experience. Volunteering still counts if you can put yourself in the position where you're communicating. Toastmasters counts. You know, like there are lots of ways of developing skills that aren't necessarily well. I didn't get the chance in my job. And then the other thing with that then as well is, is sometimes we're not proactive enough in our current role in terms of our next role. So you might be excellent at your current job, but if your next role needs you to be more strategic, let's say, if that's where your step's going to be, don't just again throw up your hands and say, well, I don't get the opportunity in my role. Look for opportunities. It might make you busier and you might need to work hard, but ask for opportunities, take on extra projects outside of your space and develop new skills while in the current role. There's no point developing skills when you're two days ahead of an interview and then you come into somebody like me for a job interview prep and say, I can't think of an example of being strategic. and I say, yeah, well, you haven't been strategic. There's not much we can do for you. Um, okay. If you haven't developed the examples, the real life examples that you need. And
0: on that, do you have, do you, have many people coming in for interviews in what is
1: it interview skills or interview prep yeah so interview skills interview prep whatever you want to call it yeah huge huge, huge amount of our work would be that uh, it's probably the bit that we get the most enjoyment of i get the most enjoyment out of anyway somebody come in they have an interview in a week they come into us we put them through an interview we record it we play it back we go through it and i mean the improvements you can make for people particularly the people who undersell themselves it's really, really, it's really enjoyable to see because there's people who kind of will go through an interview and not say one good thing about themselves and then you chat afterwards and you say, well, do you remember there when you won those 12 awards? You know, maybe mention that at some <laughs> point during the interview and they just won't, won't, won't even record to them. Is it because Irish it. people don't want to
0: be seen to have notions?
1: Absolutely. I, uh, like, people would walk into interviews and actually, ah, look, I'm an idiot, really. It was everybody else's, everybody else's work show. I was just lucky to be there when, obviously, in an interview, you, you need to sell yourself with, with facts and evidence, not just...
0: I'm just wondering if it might be interesting because I'm self-employed and I've never really done a job interview if we should do a little mock job interview. But I think I'd be terrible.
1: Why do you think you'd be terrible?
0: Because I've I, i I've never done a job interview. Like, do they ask you... Because my entire... If, like my entire reality is based on fiction here and it's like the US office where Michael Scott is like, well, actually, my failures have been successes and I here are my downsides. I work too hard, I care too much and I stay too late.
1: Uh, on that, which is a, a magnificent scene in the US office, but uh, an example I like to use, you know, I think that Michael Scott is a character. If you look at the 2008 uh, Democratic primaries... Um, Obama American. was asked that question, and Hillary Clinton was asked that question to deal with that greatest weakness question. And Hillary Clinton's answer genuinely was sometimes I'm so far ahead of everybody. Um, that I get frustrated that they're not keeping up with me and I admit it, geez, I get frustrated because I want to move so quickly to get all these things done that people just can't keep, keep up, up with me. me John Edwards was in the debate as well and he genuinely said "So I care too much sometimes I care too much about other people and I really feel their pain and that gets in the way of me being able to fix problems sometimes while well, Obama came on and he said I'm unbelievably unorganised I can't organise a thing my desk is a mess nobody will give me a piece of paper uh, because I will lose it, so I'm really unorganised. But he went on then to say, but look, I've got a brilliant staff, they keep me in line, so it doesn't affect my ability to do the job, and that's why I've been able to run a, a campaign on less money than my than the two other candidates right next to me. But it was just, again, if you look at Michael Scott as a character, I mean, that happens in real life. That happens in <laughs> real life. And you hear it, and then there's excellent communicators like Obama, who take the right approach, which is... Yeah. Be honest. Be honest, be genuine, but then also subtly say, but it doesn't disqualify me from the role. So you can be too honest the other way as well. Okay, so you just said, I'm unorganised, left it at that, you might start worrying, well, geez, maybe we don't want you as president.
0: So you do have to be honest. And like, is that a typical interview question? Like when someone comes into you for interview prep, so say they say, so say I come in, I go, okay, Lorcan, I've got an interview in two weeks. Mm. Um, It's for a new role as the head of... um. Learning and development at um I don't know, some big company, name a big company, uh, Apple. I'm the head of learning and development at Apple. Um can you prep me for the interview? What like I don't know what, what questions they're gonna ask me. How do you prep someone?
1: The vast, vast majority of interviews now are what we'd call competency based interviews. Right. Which is Are you competent? Are you competent in these six areas? What so are the six areas? It depends on the job. Oh, okay. So for a private sector, particularly what you're doing is you're looking at the spec, the job spec they've given you. You you think about the role you've experienced in that area and you say, what are the major areas I'll have to deliver on here? Leadership, motivating your team, your communication skills if they need you, let's say, to represent the company on radio, on podcast, Can you do that? Can you, you know, hit targets? You know, what are the things you know they're looking for? And most of the interview will be sections of prove that to us. So can you give us an example of when you've done it before? How do you go about doing it? How will you do it again? And so there's a structure to follow in order to get ready for those competency-based questions, which is I've loads of experience. God, I've done it for years. Okay. Let me tell you one specific story of a time when I was up against it. It was really difficult. Here's what I did. It went unbelievably well. That's where the selling yourself comes in. And then here's how I know I can do it again for you because you're not applying for your current job, you're applying for the next job.
0: So, so. do you need to know about the, them? So you say like, so tell us the time that you, you know, were successful. Well, I once hid inside a horse and they pushed the horse into Troy and then I climbed out of the horse and we managed to, you know, take the city under siege and I have these skills and that is how I know, Apple, that if I work for you, then what do I do?
1: Well I mean if it was central to the role you're applying for that you had to be an excellent military military <laughs> strategist who could t- <laughs> who could take over Troy. You know, what I mean yeah. if that was central to the role, absolutely you tell that story. The first step to it though would be to say Oh, geez, 20 battles I've won 20 battles over the last 10 years I mean me there is a battle I haven't lost but I, let me tell you about one particularly interesting well, one well Helen tell us about one of them <laughs> and you'd start there not by going straight for the horse but you talk about geez, it was 6 years it was a siege we couldn't break it for 6 years 4 other commanders had tried we were all dying yeah. Ajax had left and come back and Megmon geez, he was lost his head totally Hyde then stepped forward and said we need to deal with this I built the horse I came up with the plan I convinced my reluctant colleagues to hide <laughs> there for the night with me the end result was we took over we took Tr- over the city of Troy and then the key thing is and look what that proves about me is it proves I can think on my feet it proves that I'm willing to step forward and take ownership over problems and it proves that I can break a deadlock ye need me to do that again because Jay-Z have been under the same siege for two years over here I can do what I did here I can do that for ye as well so I mean, that that's the structure. Loads of experience. Nice story that you make it clear how difficult it was and how well it went and then you apply it, make it relevant to the role you're applying for.
0: So you have to do the research. In, what I think is difficult for people is often to put language around the experiences that they've had. Mm. You know, to be, because some people are like, I actually know I could do this job. I absolutely could be the... Manager of this company or this restaurant. I've done. I've been the manager of twelve restaurants, and then they're like, "Give us examples of times when you have, you know, dealt with difficult chefs." And you're like, "I've done this every night, but I can't remember a story, or I don't know how." Yeah, is that where going to someone like you helps? Yeah,
1: so we'd help you know trash that out with people, and we'd we'd help them come up with their examples. I suppose there's two things that tend to happen there. Um, the first one being that people, everybody thinks it has to be an amazing example that the end result has to be the, hell? Exactly, the you Trojan, know, horse. Yeah, yeah, Trojan horse and, and we, we broke this, the six-year siege but it doesn't have to be because it depends what competence they're looking for and if they're looking for a competence in able to deal with an awkward character it doesn't have to be the most awkward character ever and you don't have to have save the restaurant from closure at the end of it yeah. it can be a simple everyday example that's indicative of a wider ability so it's I do this every day let me tell you one example. God, he was a bit awkward. Here's what happened. Here's what I did. It went well because he was no longer awkward. He did what I wanted. Look, that's one example. I've done that for years. Here's what I always do. So sometimes they think it needs to be game changing when it doesn't have to be. It's just proving your competence. Okay. During then that happens to people is, particularly uh, I find the more effective people, they tend to see their life as, I went in, I did it, it's over. I never want to think about that again. And I'll move on to the next project because that's my job. What do you mean? Like as in, they don't reflect. They don't. They don't reflect, and they don't see it as a big deal, even if it was a big deal, because they move on to the next challenge, the next project. Okay. They have the view of well, I was paid to deliver these excellent results. Whereas that company that you're applying for now might exactly need you to do that for them. And they need to know, so you have to be willing to tell them. So it's not you know overconfidence, it's not arrogance. They're there asking you questions because they need to know what you've done specifically. So for those people. You, what I get people to do is write down your achievements on a page. So force yourself to write down what are the things I've delivered, the deadlines that I've hit, the good praise that I've gotten. You know, wh- what's the really good stuff you've done in your career? Yeah. Um, and then work backwards from there. So rather than trying to find an example for communication skills, start with the achievement and work backwards. Look at your achievements and say, which one of these needed good communication skills to achieve? and okay. you work backwards that's often much easier for people than kind of in that wide open space of when did I communicate when well? did I communicate well because I mean like I, it's like one of the things is interpersonal skills sometimes I mean nobody describes themselves as having good interpersonal skills it's a weird thing to say yeah. you know you don't walk around saying I'm an excellent communicator <laughs> um, so sometimes starting with the the end result the achievement and working backwards um, can be easier so that's for all the competency questions which is a lot of an interview
0: what other parts of an interview are there
1: suppose there's the the research bit in terms of what do you know about us? Why do you want to work for us? That would be a a, a common area. Oh, that'd be tricky because sometimes it's kind of like, well, I don't know because we're kind of in our
0: 30s now, but when I was younger, my friends would literally just be applying for any job. So it's kind of like Tinder. It's like, I want to work for you because you gave me an interview, (laughs) which is not acceptable. But I suppose people are slightly more discerning in in their later years, I don't
1: know. Yeah, but uh, but even at that stage, I mean, I suppose, look, you need to think about it from a human level. Now, you're going into an interview and there's people across from you, all right? Everybody knows that you're there for the most part because you want a job. You know, like yeah. there are different situations, etc But the basic thing of a job is I will do this service, you will pay me money. So that's fine. That's a given. It's not inauthentic to not mention that. You know, it's, yes. everybody knows that. There's no point talking about it. So that's fine. So you're there because you want a job. On a human level, the people ac- 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 across from you work for the company that you're going for. So they're probably very proud to work for the company. Our egos get tied up in our roles and our companies. So they probably like where they work. Right? Yeah. They probably rate it. Your job is to go in there, work out what they find unique and interesting about their company and talk about that. So it's not the easiest thing to work out? to do. An element of research, but not the About Us page on their website. On their, uh, on their on website. Their so we go, why do you want to work as well? You've been doing this since 1930X and in, nobody cares and they know what you're doing. So research in terms of go past the first page of the Google Look past it. Have they written? Has there been interviews the CEO has given? There will be detail about the company somewhere. What do they reference about themselves? What do they prize about themselves? And you talk about that and you link yourself to it.
0: So say you work for the communications clinic and you have like, so your MD is owned Moss McDermott. He's always on Ireland AM, let's say. So if I was doing an interview for your company, I could go and like look at the videos of you, of Owen or anyone or read the stuff that you write for the Sunday Independent on Trump. Is it more just and then if I go to my interview, is it just to show you guys that I've done that research or do I have to do go a little bit further than that? It's a mix. Okay. So it's,
1: it's it's a combination. Is it
0: impressive she, to be it, like, oh, she's she's done her research? Yeah,
1: absolutely. Because it shows you care. Okay, Somebody yeah. comes and has done their research. It shows you care about getting the job because the amount of times you see you ask people that interview question, and they can't answer it or they have very, very shallow levels of research done. And then you're, they're going to walk out there and people are going to think they don't really care about this job. Yeah. Now, sometimes you might be so impressive that that doesn't matter, but a lot of times you won't be. So it's showing that you care, showing you've done the research. An excellent answer to that question combines that then by making them believe you're being authentic by linking it to your own life. So if you go and you talk about, you know, the fact that, you know, let's take the communications clinic that owns on Ireland AM all of the time, etc. If they're able to talk about that, talk about how they enjoy it, how they find it insightful and link it to their own career goals. Well, then we know they've thought about it and they actually want it. And so it makes sense to us. So it's about showing the research, but showing that it also applies to you as an individual. So, I mean, the litmus test is could anybody give the answer you gave? And if they could it's not a brilliant answer because it's not unique to you.
0: And it's not personal. It's and not personalized.
1: Exactly, exactly.
0: And then should, so that's sort of a, so say if you're doing 15 job interviews for 15 different companies, that's going to be a lot of effort, which is fine if you're, and if you really want those 15 jobs, you'll do the work. Is it the same with the CV? Like when you get a CV into communications, like for someone looking for a job, are you hoping that, they haven't sent that exact CV to any other company.
1: 100%. So again, if you go back to advising people as they're going for other jobs, you have to tailor the CV and the cover letter and everything to the, the cover job letter, you're applying for.
0: But like, the CV is the CV, that's your experience, no?
1: No. We'll talk about the cover letter in a second. If you look at the CV, what your CV should have at the very, very top, right? Because if you think your name about and a lot of the jobs, your name and address at the very top, <laughs> underneath your name and address and your contact details you're and your email. you leaving results. We'll, we'll cut those off and get rid of those at the end of the CV. The, there should be a, 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 an exec summary, call it a profile summary, call it a skills profile, call it whatever you want. Right? There should be four to five bullet points at the very, very top of the CV that have looked at the job spec and said, here are the three or four things they're looking for and prove you have each of those. So that really the person who's deciding who to interview should only have to look at five bullet points and go tick, 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 They're somebody who has read the spec, knows what we're looking for and has proven that they have it because the amount of CVs that people get for every job is significant, let's say, and it will be even more significant over the next six to 12 months. So you have to stand out. They will spend 15 to 20 seconds possibly flicking through looking at your CV. They won't read down to page two to find your experience. So you need to have one line at the top that says, I am, here's who I am. I've 16 years experience across four different sectors. You need organizational skills. Highly organized as evidenced by... Do you say you need organization? No, you just say like, I'm highly organized. Highly organized, comma, what's your evidence Led significant significant projects over two years that required exceptional project management skills. So that there's clear evidence next to the point that you're proving. And that's everything else in the CV, and we can talk about it if you'd like, but that's the key. Okay. It's the what's in that summary at the Get top. Get me into that room. And again, you want me. like the other um, answer about the research, that needs to be unique to you. It's not a whole stream of assertions. There's no point writing down in the CV that you're highly organized because you by you that's effectively saying i'm highly organized trust me
0: right okay prove In, it prove it but like if so say i'm a solicitor mm-hmm. and i'm applying um to six different law firms for the same role presumably they need the same skills therefore that profile at the top if they need if they need organization like that doesn't have to be t- like a solicitor for i don't know any companies but like they need the same.
1: if the specs end up looking the same yeah absolutely lots of different firms prize different things okay and so when you look at it some will be more about organisation some will be more about creativity some will be about this sector some will want property others will want ip you know that so you 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 need to tailor it to the skills they have on the spec. The cover letter is the here's why I love you and here's why I want to work for you and here's why you're amazing. That's that piece. But the CV still needs to be tailored to the spec that they've put out.
0: And is the cover letter in the same vein as like, I, I see you writing for the Sunday Independent and I know Owen is on Ireland AM and that's why I want to work for the communications clinic? Or is it, is it that part of the interview?
1: Yeah, so there's there's again a, a kind of a general structure to follow for, for a cover letter and that's the start of it. Is that The first thing that they should say is "Look, here's why I want, want, want to work for you, here's why I'm interested in this opportunity, not because of what you're interested but from their perspective what you want to work for them, make them feel good. Yeah. Um, and then for the rest of the cover letter you're then able to go on and say look I do feel I'd add value to the role in these four areas and you go on, you take each one of those areas in turn, one paragraph, state the skill, prove it, statement, prove it, statement, prove it. So again, it's relatively, you know, it's relatively simple.
0: And then it's kind of the same. You're just kind of backing all that up when you go into the in-person interview. Exactly. So, would you tell, like, would you mention? So, say if you were Helen of Troy, would you mention that in the cover letter and the CV, and then the interview?
1: Yes. So the, the distinction between the CV and the cover letter and in the interview is an interesting one because people tend to think, well, they've read my CV, they've read my cover letter, right? They know me. They've done their research. I don't so need so. I repeat don't it. need to repeat it. Most people will have glanced at the CV and the cover letter. Quite often, the person who decided to give you the interview is not the same person who was interviewing you. And yeah. the person who was interviewing you will have gone through your CV, circled a few things so that you can challenge you on them. And that would be the extent of the research. But even if they've done a huge amount of research, gone through the CV, would have found to come, gone through the cover letter. All that does is set the expectation level for the interview.
0: All right, okay. So if
1: you have a brilliant CV and a brilliant cover letter, and I've read it, and I'm going into the room, and I'm really excited... Because I think this candidate is going to be brilliant. And then your average, you get judged more harshly than somebody who had an average CV and cover letter. And does a brilliant interview. Does a brilliant interview. Everybody, they shouldn't. The whole, whole re- range of biases are playing. But everybody trusts their own instinct based on what they see in front of them in the room or via Zoom or, via, you know, whatever it might be. They trust their instinct. They trust what they see in front of them, not what they read. And so that's totally influenced then by how excited they were. So you have to back it up. So you need to assume they know nothing about you. They haven't read your CV. They haven't read your cover letter. You're starting from scratch again. You're back to zero. You're back to level one. You approach it as if they know nothing about you. And that's the same for an internal interview, which can be difficult.
0: I want to talk to you for a second about UX design. UX means user experience, it's about how it feels to use an app or a website. So when you use an app, if it's got good UX design, you're not even going to notice it. But have you ever used an app that is just incredibly difficult to use and it's just so frustrating? That's poor UX design. And the UX designer is like the architect of the website or the app development. It's their job to plan every single part of the experience to make sure that someone who uses it finds it seamless and fun and easy to navigate. UX design is an exciting, creative and fun job that's actually really in demand at the moment. The UX Design Institute offers unique, university credit-rated online courses in UX. It's a professional diploma and it's internationally recognized. If you'd like to learn more about UX or you're thinking of changing careers or you just want to get into that sort of design, visit uxdesigninstitute.com forward slash basically. Do you have any tips for people who are going to be doing interviews now in Zoom? Because I think that's probably going to be more prevalent in yeah. this new age.
1: Yeah, and it hasn't, you know. I mean, the only uh, test I have is how many people were are seeing for interview preps and that stayed pretty consistent. So there's been a lot of... Uh, it
0: stayed in the room, like people are still being interviewed in the room? No,
1: as in there's still... there's still been a lot of interviews taking place over Zoom um, and over whatever various platform has been. So it hasn't stopped, you know, and it's going to continue in in, in that way. And more people are going to be remote working. So more people will be doing it remotely, even when we are able to come back into the room, etc. So we need to be used to it for for, for a while. The couple of initial pieces of advice, um, and we shouldn't have to say it at this stage, but we will. Get dressed. Get, what? Get, get dressed. Get, get, get dressed and get dressed head to toe. Uh, yes. Don't <laughs> Luke Ming Flanagan. Don't risk that happening to you. Uh, so get dressed, uh, even for your mindset. It helps to be dressed as you would for the interview. So don't even dress casually. Get fully dressed. You, you, you have an interview that day. Hair you're dressed makeup in for the interview. If
0: you're into that sort of thing, exactly.
1: if that makes you feel more confident, put on heels. Even do. if
0: you're going to be sitting down, if you're a woman and that makes you feel confident, same exactly. with men. If you want to
1: wear shoes. Exactly, exactly. The other thing then is get your laptop up on books to get the eyeline right. Yes, Okay. So you might, you might not think it matters, but if your eyeline isn't right, it's a very strange experience. We've all seen people, but you still see senior politicians, particularly in the UK, uh, going looking on live television and the angle is still tilted downwards, looking up their nose, looking up at their chin. Even today, and we've been doing this for quite a long time, people so don't realise, put your laptop up on books, get the eyeline right and know where you're looking. So it can be useful to put a bit of a sticky um, sticky note where the camera is, yeah. Because you can forget.
0: Oh, like those sticky arrows that you'd put in a book. Put yeah. one there, so you know where to look. So you know yeah.
1: that that's where you're looking at. Now. You I offer. get
0: kind of distracted looking at myself because I'm so used to doing stories on Instagram, where you are looking at yourself in your phone. That when I do interviews for television, like I'd be on like Ireland AM or at six o'clock or whatever, more in that heat, I get distracted looking at myself.
1: Absolutely. Um, Any my friends listening will recognise that. Whenever I'm out and there's a mirror near me, I can't stop looking at myself in the mirror. Anyway, I'm, I'm like I'm like a bird or a magpie or whatever something shiny. So that can happen uh, when you're doing a Zoom as well. That's fine. Look, it's not the end of the world. But you don't want to get distracted, so yeah. it doesn't matter. The eye line it's important, but it's not it's not the end of the world if you look at yourself for a minute or two and fix your hair. Yeah. Um. But you can't get distracted from what you're actually saying. After that, then on Zoom, it's, it's a normal interview. So, I mean, make sure your tech is right. Make sure you've done all your updates. Don't click on five minutes before and realize you need to upgrade your whole Software you know, system. You know, iOS system or whatever. Um, so have that, that done the day before. Do a test call with people. Um, ideally, wear headphones again, just for the even just the illusion of privacy for everybody. It can be good. And then you, then you play it like a straight interview. But you need to be better. Um, you How? need to be clearer you need to be more structured you need to be more practiced because it's harder for them to pay attention to you right, um, right. it's harder to pay attention via, via Zoom or so via it's more offer. like
0: storytelling like have good stories be engaging be memorable
1: exactly exactly and that's, that's a huge part of an interview um, is just will they remember you can they easily after the interview when they've seen eight people back to back asking them similar questions will they immediately be able to pick you out And that's about stories. That's examples. That's what's the best way of framing and telling this story so that they'll remember me and then therefore remember all the good things that I said.
0: And, you know, at the end of an interview, when they say, do you have any questions for us? Are you meant to ask questions there?
1: You have two options. Right. Option number one is you ask a question, but it has to be an informed question that makes you look better. You're still on. Like what? I'll give you the rest of the structure and then I'll give you an example of okay. it. It's the, I have read this about you. While I have you, could you tell me a bit more? Yeah. So that it's shown genuine curiosity. I listened to your podcast last week, Steph. You had X inside there. I really liked what you, you asked about that. How did you come up with that question or where did you get that from? Genuine research, genuine question. I'm engaged answering it because I want to answer it. Rather than question for the sake of asking a question, a question you could have Googled the answer to yourself, yes. which is a big no-no, or a question about your terms and conditions. When do I start? Would I get this? Would I get that? Doesn't matter. Ask those questions after you've been aff- offered the job because you want the job offer.
0: Yeah, so, I heard about someone who asked, how much will I be paid? <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. You know, Terrible.
1: and it, look, it's also, e- even if you really, really want to know the answer to that question, think about it again from a human perspective. If you have two candidates going for a job, right, and... There's one is 55%. They really want them. The other is 45%. Yeah. So it's that close. Once they've made the decision to offer the person for 50 the 55% match the job, that becomes a 95% match because nobody wants to change their mind. So your bargaining power, let's say, for the the salary negotiation is way stronger than it is at the end of the interview when you're 55% but you ask that question they haven't made up their mind and then they say oh jeez 45% is looking better now. Yeah. Um. So it's just logical. You don't have to ask a question though. Some people think you do. You don't have to. But if you don't ask a question you have to explain why you're not asking a question. So you don't just say no because what that says is either I didn't think about it or I don't want to get out of here. I, I'm happy this is done. I'm relieved. Let me get out of here. Yeah. Your question needs to be no I don't have any questions because I've done my research. I've asked, as we went through the interview any questions I did have are answered and I've had a chance to talk to two people who work for you and they speak very highly of the of the role. So I don't have any questions because so you need to explain that you have thought about it and just have realized you don't have any questions because otherwise it looks like you just didn't think about it or you want to get out of there.
0: Right, okay. It's I I I don't I'm I wouldn't be built for that kind of world like there's obviously um, pros and cons to being a freelancer, but I don't know that I'd hold up well because I don't know how to pitch the casual, formal situation where we would be like, are we joking here? Like, is this somewhere I can make a little, you know, get you on side by making a joke? I do self-deprecate all over people. So I don't know, like it's not. It's a
1: strange interaction. It is a job really interview, strange. an official structured job interview. It's it's a strange interaction. And so you kind of need to just realize that and treat it like that. That yeah. it's, it, this is not a normal human interaction. I'm going to say things here that if I was having a coffee with my friend I would not say, and if I did say, they should unmercifully mock me for saying it. You know, that like there are times in a job interview that you're going in there and it's not like an exam, but it is a very objective led communication that a casual conversation wouldn't be. Is you're going in there saying they need to know five things about me and they need to be able to remember those five things and be able to remember they were convinced with hard evidence of those five things. And you're going in there with an objective. You're not going in there just to have a conversation. You're going into to make sure by the end of this, they will know these five to six things about me. And at the end of the interview, you know if you're successful, if you got those points across. So you just have to realise that it's not an everyday conversation. But I know you're a freelancer, but you you, you still are having conversations with people, I'm sure, about potential work you might do, writing you might do for them, projects you might be involved in. That is, yes, more conversational, but it's still kind of job interview skills.
0: It is kind of job interview skills, but I guess it's um, the creative industries are slightly different as well, because I get to talk about like what I think and how I feel about things, which is not really appropriate conversation in like the corporate world necessarily. Like my f- your feelings don't really, your feelings about your job don't really count. It's more about like. Yeah, your insight counts
1: though. I suppose that would be the, the only um contrast you could draw or the, the similar thread that might go between. The, your insight on stories, your insight on what's going on in the world, your insight on your specific area, yeah. that that does count. And so there would be interviews, you know, particularly for, let's say, graduate interviews. But across the board, there will be interviews where they will ask you, what do you think about, so a year ago, what do you think about Brexit? What do you think is going to happen? And people would have had a tendency to just go in there and read out the front page of the Irish Times that they read today and give all the news well, yeah. actually what they're looking for was, no, no, what's your, what's your insight here? What's your, what is your feeling and what's going to happen? But can you justify it? Can you back it up? Can you explain it in an interesting way? Have you read something a bit new about it? Do you have an opinion? Do you have yeah. an argument? So there is that element in job interviews as well, which again, you you need to prepare for. Um, if, if, if you think it's likely that there's a pressing issue in your industry that they might ask you about, your job isn't to learn off information and ream it back at them. It is... Same to, to, to creative is to have have a feeling on it, but as long as you can back it up and explain it, yeah, then it's valid.
0: And then, just to pivot a little bit for career,
1: it's a good interview word. Pivot.
0: Cha- I learned it from you, <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, when I was doing media training, and I was scared that I would be asked a question that I didn't know the answer to you were like you can just pivot out of that question into a different question um so we're going to pivot now if people want to also pivot and they're in one job Mm. and they're like you know what Um, life is too short I don't want to be in this sector anymore how how can people I guess do that do you one do you have to should you be letting your sector like should you be letting your boss know that you're looking for other work? Two, how do you gain the skills to pivot while still working? Do you think career breaks are good? What are your thoughts on all those things?
1: The first thing is, once you've decided to, to make a change, once you've decided to develop a skill, once you've decided to leave a job and want to look for another one, even if you haven't decided, if you were unfortunately made unemployed or, or did take a career break and now are ready to come back, you have to treat it like either a full time job or an essential part of your current job. It can't be ad hoc, it can't be you mean a lef- the
0: actual seeking.
1: Both the seeking, the skills development, the the whole thing needs to be, this is part of my role now. It can't be 11 o'clock at night, you've had a bad day in the office, you come home and you do a couple of Google searches and you throw together a CV and you're so eager that you'd fire it in. It it needs to be a structured process. So take the skills development. If you over six months want to develop a skill set, you need to decide now. Here's the skill I'm going to develop. You need to put touch points along the way every two weeks where you check in and say, what have I done in the last two weeks to get better at that, to get a new example for that, to progress in that way? And if you haven't done anything in two weeks, why did you, and we'll use the word fail, why did you fail? How can you recalibrate? How can you go again? So it's that what gets measured gets done piece as you go along. So you need to decide. And are there people who, who, so
0: like, are there people who come to you or are there people who provide a service whereby they will kind of coach you through that change
1: in job. I've had people who've come in to me because I worked them in other areas or I worked with them to prepare them for a job or just come in because they were referred in or whatever, who will say, I want the promotion there in four years time. You know, that, that's yeah. where I need to be. I'm newly promoted. I need to be there in four years. I want to work with you every three to four months to develop the skills I need, the relationships that I need so that when it comes to the interview process for that role, I'm ready. So that happens all the time. So um, you'd
0: have people coming in every few months for four years and your kind of strategy.
1: Yeah, you're, you're, you're helping them work out. Well, look, what are the See, key like, relationships? I think you that
0: person deserves that promotion. If they're looking for, like without joking, like if you're sitting there going, this is where I want to be in four years and I'm going to commit to meeting someone with that goal in mind every four months then that's someone you want on your team, no?
1: I, I would think so. Now that it's possible for that job, the other three people who are going to be in running for it were doing the exact same thing. Really? Well, like, there, would be, there would be jobs where there would be people who were consistently, because that, that's what they know they have to do, that they have to be really, really focused to develop the skills, develop the relationships that they need to get there. Now, it's not. Not every job would have everybody who, who, who would have done that. But people take, can take this very, very seriously. And then there comes a point then, sometimes where really, really good people who didn't think they should do that or decided that you know that they, they, you shouldn't have to put that level of work into it come to the end if you don't get the job and then kind of feel that the world is a bit unfair
0: like people who throw their hat in the presidential ring in the 12th hour and are like I'll go too
1: yeah like, and are a bit like on. well and I would be brilliant at it so it's very unfair now that, that I wasn't that the voters didn't recognise my yeah. brilliance you know <laughs> so I th- there's an element with some of that planning that real focus on putting yourself in the position where that you meet people a lot who think you shouldn't have to and have decided well ah, that's just a game or that's just the internal wrangling you do here, but I, I like to think of it a bit like you know if you're if you're crossing the road outside here now right, yeah or Pierce near Pier Street, so if you're crossing the road near Pierce street right and the man is green yeah right and it is a man unfortunately the man is That's green fine, right. Norton, That's go okay. on. <laughs> uh the man is green, and you're about to cross the road right you're a hundred percent right to cross the road there morally right you're allowed go you're allowed cross the road but if there's a car coming you kind of look to you You look to the left and right anyway and if the car coming you won't go there's an element sometimes in your career planning that you need to think of it that way a little bit of you know what maybe you shouldn't have to maybe you shouldn't have to build those relationships or develop all of those skills or think about it for three years but you know if you want to get to where you want to go These you are just have, you have to, to do, do it. it yeah
0: yeah um so sorry, yes, so that there is people who can help you to pivot jobs, but also you don't have to use a person. you can just self-control: You can, you and can do that yourself plan your own As thing. long
1: as you're organized enough, absolutely just decide how do I want to be perceived in two or three years' time? What must I do to be perceived in that way? You talk about career breaks as well. I think for career, I think career breaks can, can make perfect sense. I think people get very worried about taking a career break. Because of and how it looks on the CV? How CD. it looks when they come back, yeah. And you would have people who had gone on a career break and they come in and say, look, I'm really worried about explaining away that year. And they get really, really aware of it. And then you, you see them kind of steering towards it in the interview every 45 seconds and over explaining. And um, there's a scene in, in an episode of Frasier where Frasier learns how to cycle and he gets fixated on a tree. And just can't steer away from it, even though he knows he's going to hit it. And so keep veering into it. I see that a lot in interviews where people are worried about something and become so fixated on it that they keep bringing it up when they get nervous and under pressure. Rather than just thinking, hang on, how will I explain it? And how you explain a career break is You just going and say, that's I had too- an opportunity to travel for a year. It was absolutely brilliant. It's out of my system now. But that's it. You know, like the, 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 it's not a bad thing. It's not a negative. But people get really fixated on those things. But then they, don't, they, then they don't fix it at all on, hang on, what are your examples? What stories are you going to tell? What's yeah. your pitch for this role? They, don't, they, they ignore the big stuff and get really, really focused on the new stuff that you can explain away in two sentences, no problem.
0: To deal with nerves before an interview. Any yeah,
1: tips. I, I do. I do. And look, and the first thing to realise, I'll go on a bit of a and I'll rant about nerves here if you don't mind. The first on. thing to realise is that nerves are absolutely normal. So there's an element sometimes people think when they get nervous that it means there must be something wrong. You want to be a bit nervous before an interview. You know, yeah. you want to have that little bit of adrenaline, that little bit of tension. So don't freak yourself out if you're a little bit nervous. It's absolutely fine to be nervous. The other thing then with nerves that can happen to people, I don't know if it happens to you actually, Steph, but it can happen to a lot of people that if you're nervous about something... Just before you go on So just before you walk Into the interview Or just before the light goes on You feel awful You feel at your worst Do you Wait.
0: remember Sorry can I interrupt And I'll bring you back to this Do you remember the first night I was on the Late Late Show I do So I was on the Late Late Show And I brought Lorcan with me Because he had prepared me And I knew That Ryan Toberty's First question to me was So Stephanie Why did you write Can't Cup, Won't Cup So I'm backstage At the Late Late Show And I hear <laughs> And I'm like, oh my God. And I run back into the dressing room and I'm like, Lorcan, why did I write Can't Go And because he had been with me through the interview, through the process, he knew that my answer was, I didn't see myself represented on screen. I wanted to write something that was blah, 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 blah. So he reminded me and then I was able to go out and do... The interview So yes You know very well That nerves make me feel awful And often forget What I need to say
1: Yeah And look The, the thing And it's, it's, it's an interesting that Nerves will do Well they'll make you feel awful They'll make you feel Like you're most sluggish And they'll make you Kind of feel like geez, if I could be anywhere else Or if I could just delay this For an hour It would be brilliant You know that That yeah. kind of real low, That happens to Most people But if again If you don't realise What's happening to you that that's going to happen, you then start feeling, geez, I'm not ready. Oh God, I can't remember. Oh geez, I'll, I'll go on and I won't remember. Well, if you're ready for it, you can kind of say, Hi, huh, that's what feeling. my brain is doing. I'm ready for it. I knew this was going to happen. Sports people will talk about it a lot just before they come out, before the anthem plays, before they walk out, that they'll feel wrecked. Yeah. But then you get the buzz when you go on. So just kind of realize, look, my brain's going to play that trick on me, but I'm ready for it. We'll be able to talk through it. The only real, real way of dealing with your nerves though, it's proper preparation and proper preparation means verbal prep so that Sing you're not out. thinking things through in your head. You're not writing it down. You're just you're actually talking out your answers. And it's not every single answer based on the question they ask. It's what are your inputs? What are the stories you know you're going to you're going to tell? You going to get a chance to talk through your career in some way or form? How will you do that? You know, they're looking for four or five key skills. What stories will you tell? And keep practicing your inputs. The more you say it out loud, the more comfortable you will be with it. You're not learning it off. You're getting a muscle memory of saying it naturally. Yeah. So when you're under pressure and you're nervous, you can say it to yourself. Mm-hmm. Well, sure, you said this yesterday. Say it again. Not you read this yesterday. Not you thought this through yesterday. You, so you said, said this, this yesterday. Loud. Yeah. And then you can run through it. That's the only way of actually dealing with nerves. You'll see a lot of stuff online. A whole, there's a TED talk that's like the, heard most viewed TED talk ever about power poses and things like that none of that works the science underneath it is incredibly incredibly hazy it might work slightly as a placebo but now that you've heard somebody say the science doesn't make sense the placebo effect probably won't work either uh, those kind of power poses, by the way is standing like superwoman in the bathroom yeah. before you go on like they're the even the people who did the research have admitted that they couldn't replicate it. So the people are always looking for tips and tricks. They're always looking for hacks and hacks. quick fixes. Quick fixes. Do the work. No quick fixes. Have to talk out loud. And the issue with quick fixes and the placebo is people will come in and think I oh, yeah, the only thing I must do to deal with my nerves is stand like that powerfully before I walk into the room. And it means you've done none of the work. Which means even if you're confident you'll be off. Yeah. There's so no point having an no confidence either. Yeah. You know yeah. You, you have to have earned prepped confidence that's how you deal with nerves the other thing then just on nerves it's one of the funny things you're allowed to drink water in an interview it's absolutely perfectly acceptable the amount of people who don't do it or who are so worried about pouring the water because they might spill it and so just don't do it and then spend an hour talking. Coughing and clearing their throat and talking and. It's talking through sand effectively yeah. eventually. I mean it's really uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable for everybody because you can hear it. You can hear that they need a drink of water. And then an, a sound interviewer will say here's some water. But.
0: I mean probably won't. for the next few months anyway you're going to be in your own gaff doing the interview. So have yourself a glass of water.
1: Absolutely. Have a poured and have it all ready and then just you can take. You know you can take two seconds to take a sip of water. Because the other thing nurses will do to you is pauses will feel like excruciatingly an, long. Yeah, so you'll pause for you know half a second or less even, but it will feel like it was nine seconds since you said anything, and that you'll never say anything again. And geez, they'll think the screen has frozen because I haven't talked for so long. But once you realise that, you can again say it yourself hasn't been that long. Don't panic because people panic. Yeah, and they pause and they thought it was ages, and then they just say, "Ah, geez, sure dean's done just now." Start
0: to talk. I do that. I, I actually did it the other day. I was on the Brendan O'Connor show and I was asked a question and I didn't know what I was going to say, so I started talking before I knew what I was gonna say. Then I was like that shit And uh sure then you you just get all fluffed, flaffed, flaffed and fazzled. They're not words. Um they're actually all the questions that my Instagrammers have asked. Do you have any other tips that you would like to
1: be ready for the what will most likely be the opening question, which is tell me about yourself, talk me through your CV. Really open, general question comes up in a huge amount of interviews. People tend not to prepare for it um, right. because they think, ah, geez, look, I'm just, I'll talk my, through my CV and there you go. But it's a lovely question to get if you're ready for it, because you can say whatever you want. You yeah. can take the ball, you can run with it. So have a really, really strong open in salvo and opening two minutes that doesn't just give the chronology 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 of your career in starting in 19 whatever and bringing it all the way up to now because that's pretty much irrelevant what you need to do is you need to say hang on when I look at my career how can I talk through it in a way that makes sense for the job I'm applying for so break it up into sections start with your current role because mm-hmm. that's what's most relevant to what you're, you're you're talking about I've seen people give nine minute answers to that question and then in the last 30 seconds, they say, and look, for the last four years, I've been in a role very similar to this. I'm like, well, why did you talk for eight and a half minutes about every other role that's irrelevant? Yeah. Rather than st- So start in your current role or your most re- relevant role. Tell me your achievements. Then tell me about your other role. Tell me about your achievements. Then tell me about your education or so your So it's not about
0: like, let me start with some of my lighter traumas. Like no. it's not actually tell me about yourself. It's about tell me about your life. Tell me what you right life.
1: for the job is always the question you're answering. Regardless of what they've asked you, what they care about is, why should I hire you? Why should I back you for this role? Why should I risk attaching my name to you when you come in here to deliver on the task you needed to deliver on? So that's always what you're answering. So you need a tight two minutes that brings me through that and ends by making it feel like your entire career has been building and giving you the skills for this opportunity. So that it's an element of, so look, when I look back over the last five years. It's inevitable I would be here. This is the natural next step because I've developed an expertise in property law in the last two years. While the previous three years I spent all of my time looking at IP law, this role you need both Mm -hmm. of those combined, which is why I applied, because I feel it really suits. You need to give that feeling of, I have been, geez, it was destined. Yeah, that my skills have come together for this role while 99% of people come in and say I was in, went to college here and then I did this job and then this job and then I went travelling and then I did that job and I got sacked from there and I really needed a job so I went here and Jay's now I'm here. And that's grand. You but it's not really making them feel like you're a safe bet. You're not making the most of the opportunity that's in front of you and you need to in an interview every time you're given a ball run with it and get as many points with it as you can. You know how... How well can you answer the question? Not just tick the box, but when they give you the opportunity to talk about your com- communication skills, you bring me through the full structure. Jays have loads. Let me give yeah. you a story. Let me tell you how it applies. Not just absolutely, yeah, I can communicate, no problem. Which is what, again, sounds very simple, so, but and a lot of people do when they come into me all the time.
0: Lorcan, if people want to come into you or people want any other communications advice, where can they find you?
1: They can find me at lorcan at communicationsclinic.ie. They can find us at communicationsclinic.ie I'm on a website. I'm on Twitter. I'm on LinkedIn. It's lorcann on Twitter and then lorcann on LinkedIn.
0: Thank you very much. And if I ever decide to pivot away from podcasting and screenwriting, I will come and find you. Although I'll probably come and find you anyway because I probably need help every day with any interview that I'm doing. Lorcann, thank you very much. It was a pleasure. that's all we have time for this week thank you for joining me and i hope you enjoyed the chat with Lorcan. he's at Lorcan nyhan if you want to find him on instagram and i'm at stephanie Prisner. as usual our graphic design is by Kahlo gara our music is by only ruin and we are mixed and produced by alan bennett at pod the podcast studios thank you please rate and review the episode if you enjoyed it or just tell one other person about it. It really does help. Thank you.
1: This podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network.